And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with us today is Dr. Sean Rittnar. He is professor of economics, Grove City College. Uh, Dr. Rittnar, it's, it's an honor to have you on with us today. Oh, thank you. It's always uh, a pleasure to be on, and uh, thank you for having me back. You know, it seems like economics keeps popping its head up, and uh, lately we've been hearing a lot about something called socialism. And um, it, it's almost, um, it's kind of a shock to me that there's so much interest in this, particularly among the college students and that sort of thing. So I thought today maybe what we could do is uh, answer the question, what is socialism? And then contrast that to what is the free market and, uh, you know, the characteristics of each. Sure. Um, the, uh, the, the the challenge is that there are many the word socialism is used by different people to refer to different types of economies. Um, the, the number one thing, uh, the, I'd say the chief characteristic for economic socialism is when the, uh, the means of production, the, the land, uh, our labor, uh, or the capital goods, the tools we use, the machines that are used, those are owned by the state, or at least directed by the state. Um, and that, that's that's the uh, sort of the, the definition of pure socialism. For the, so the government owns or controls the means of production, and uh, what that means, of course, is that there there is no uh, private enterprise. Uh, in reality, uh, the there, there's a, the 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 production that takes place, what types of goods are produced, how they're produced, where they're produced, where they produce by, all of that. Uh, all those economic decisions, all those, all that um, uh, production is directed by some central authority, and it could be, you know, a single dictator. Uh, more often than not, it is a like some type of central planning board, and those kind of things. And um, in, in historically, there has been sort of two, two uh, different uh, varieties of that. Um, the one that we're probably most familiar with from our history books would be uh, what we could call communism or Soviet-style uh, socialism, the kind of socialism they had in the Soviet Union. And then there is another uh, form that uh, Nazi Germany had, which we could just call Nazism, or um, and, and and they are uh, slightly distinct. Uh, Soviet-style socialism is is more explicit. That's when I mean everybody knew that the government owned the means of production and. They confiscated, they nationalized things, and um, the, the, every, it was all, in some sense, above board in that in that regard. Um, in the the, the German style socialism, or its variant of or fascism, is when the the terminology of the market economy is retained, and so uh, the there are people who. Uh, Ran the businesses that were still called owners. They had they actually had legal deeds to their their plant, their factories, whatever. But the government so tightly regulated the economy in terms of uh, the, the 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 legally allowed sources where they could get their um, where you could get your uh, factories of production, the prices that you had to pay. Uh, the methods that you could use to produce the product, the quality standards that you had to meet to produce the product, the prices that you were allowed to charge, all those things are so tightly controlled by the government that even though you have a piece of paper that says, okay, I own this uh, factory, I can pr- 
produce, you know, I, I own the factory. In the fact that you don't actually own it, you're just a manager working uh, and doing the bidding, bidding of the state. And so those uh, are the two two main types of uh, sort of pure socialism. Now, um, in reality, of course, there's other sort of, uh, you know, kinder, gentler socialism, uh, shall we say. Uh, most people don't, wouldn't, you know, we would get no hearing, uh, socialists would get no hearing even amongst college students today if, for instance, we thought, well, let's go back to the glory days of Stalinism, and that doesn't appeal to anybody. And so what uh, often appeals to people these days in the guise of socialism is, is sort of a kinder, gentler socialism, if you want to call it that, sort of a social democracy, where um, it was uh, recognized that Soviet-style socialism was a, was a disaster, and we can talk about some particulars maybe later on. But what happened out of that was um, an idea that look, we don't, we we we, we like we like the we like the goal of of socialism. We like this sort of egalitarian, everybody's equal kind of thing, and and we also have the. I think they also tend to have the same goal, which is to abolish capitalism based on private property and establish a new society, and. Um, the way they do that, however, is not through sort of a violent revolution, but they want it's easier for them, it's more peaceful to take sort of a gradualist evolutionary approach through, say, the democratic process. Um, and so you, 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 you get, you move, you move ever closer to pure socialism, but you do it through uh, piecemeal means through the ballot box. And you regulate here, you regulate there, you increase these people's taxes, you vote for this type of redistribution, and over time, it becomes more and more socialist, and in, in some sense, that's the type I think the, the, the type of socialism that is being uh, promoted by uh, people like Bernie Sanders. Um, it's not you know full blown Marxism as I understand it, but it's it's more this uh, we're gonna. We're going to accomplish very similar ends, but through uh, so-called democratic means. And um, what that means, of course, is that the, the, the number one thing is that uh, we have in, in that type of socialism is that, that people do have private ownership of the means of production. So uh, with the exceptions of things like government schools or roads or uh, you know, central banking, uh, People have the right to privately obtain and use and sell and buy, produce, rent out, or give away whatever you know, property that they have. But at the same time, nobody owns all of the income, all of the fruit of their labor. No one else owns all the income that can be derived from the use of those means of production. Because part of that income, according to this ideology, belongs to uh, society uh, or its agent, the state. So it has to be handed over to the state through taxation, and then it gets redistributed uh, according to egalitarian principles. So this is, this is not, say, the magistrate raising taxes to uh, fund, say, the police force. This is, uh, you know, to, to, to administer justice. This is uh, the government raising taxes on some people to redistribute and give to others. And so um, the, the respective shares of income that go to producers and go to others are continually flexible and continually determined by uh, elected officials. And so there's always a, um, 
everything's in flux. There's, there's no stability. It's continually in flux, and there's continual political conflicts about who's going to be able to keep more of their income and who's going to get more of their income and all that kind of thing. Um, and this, of course, is is distinctly different from the free market. Um, uh, in the free market, there is no separate production and distribution stage. Income is generated by production and then selling productive services. Uh, there's no, there's no uh, you know, we have the first stage is production and that generates income and then we distribute it in certain ways. Now, in the free market, income is earned by the people that provide productive services. Um, but in, uh, say, social democratic socialism and all forms of socialism, um, that, that socialism severs production from income. Uh, in other words, it, it, uh, has, it, it, it produces or results in a society where uh, people uh, can gain income not by being productive, but by gaining political favor. And, um, you know, all of these forms of socialism have definite economic economic consequences. If we think of, say, what I said earlier, say pure socialism, um, we have a we have a serious problem because if the central planner uh, owns everything, then there's no way. It seems it's 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 uh, very ironic. Um, the central planner to to provide for a society at all needs to, as the name apply, have a plan, right? You have to plan to know how, how, how am I going to feed the population? How am I going to clothe the population? How am I going to provide the population with shelter? We have to have a plan. But the problem is, if you have socialist central planning, where the government owns all means of production, or e- either explicitly or de facto, uh, like I mentioned before, well, then there's no actual voluntary exchange, is there? I mean, uh, if if I, for instance, uh, if if I own everything, uh, and I, I I don't trade with myself, for instance, if I if I take uh, my my car keys out of my left pocket and put it in my um, uh, right pocket, and I take my handkerchief out of my right pocket and put it in my left pocket. I don't say, well, I've tr- I've traded with myself. I'm just no, I've just rearranged. I've rearranged uh, different pieces of my property uh, in different pockets, and that's yeah. That that seems okay. Well, what's the big deal about that? Well, what that means is that there's no voluntary exchange, and particularly no voluntary exchange for uh, labor and for uh, land and capital goods. What that means is there's no market prices for these things. There's no true market prices that are reflections of the uh, values of people in society. And so what that means is that there's no market prices for these goods. Then the central planner has no way really to rationally know uh, if I produce – well, first of all, should I produce houses or should I produce more cars? Uh, that only, it only makes sense to produce houses if, if people want houses enough so that it would be profitable. But when you don't have prices because you don't have voluntary exchange, there's no way to calculate profit loss. There's no way for him to say, okay, the price of the house is 
uh, you know, a selling price of a house is $150,000, and it's going to cost me uh, $120,000 to build. Well, yeah, that's a profitable venture. I'll do that. Well, if the, cent- if the central planner owns everything, there, there aren't any real prices that he has to pay for, for lumber, for shingles, for nails, etc. And then, of course, uh, even if there is a selling price for the house, it's pretty arbitrary. Uh, so it, 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 there's no way t- for the central planner to know if I build this house, it really contributes to uh, social welfare. It really helps. I mean, certainly somebody, anybody could live in it, but there's always alternative uses to all of those goods because goods are scarce. Right? And so, um, as the great Austrian uh, economist Ludwig von Mises pointed out, he said, what is called a planned economy is actually no economy at all. It's just a system of groping about in the dark. Right? The, the central planners have no way to really know and see what is profitable and what is what is not. Um, and that's true for, for all forms of, of hardcore socialism. Now, if you look at, say, the, the, the Bernie Sanders social democratic socialism, it's, it's not as grievous. The, the consequences aren't as grievous because you do have actual prices. And, and, and frankly, uh, I've, I've noticed over my years of research in this area that as long as governments allow prices to be flexible, uh, they can get away with a lot of economic uh, intervention and a lot of regulation. Uh, even though the intervention and the regulation is very costly, uh, you can get a lot. They can get away with a lot of that because those costs are going to be reflected in prices, and at least, at least, uh, there is a way for the costs to be taken into account. We're all still relatively poor, but the economy is not as absolutely chaotic as as it doesn't come to a grinding halt the way it does. Under, under pure socialism. In, in the case of social democracy, you do have consequences because of, of taxation. Right? Taxation uh, coercively takes money from people who are productive and gives it to other people, so you have uh, the distortion of the allocation of resources. Uh, the people that people are not able to most efficiently achieve their ends uh, people give part of their income to the state, and so the state bids resources away from the same people. Right? If 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 you know if if you know you're you're in business, you have a you have a, a broadcasting network. I suspect it costs money to operate that. Right? Well, when the when the government taxes uh, you, uh, what does that mean? That means you have fewer resources that you can use to, uh, you know. Uh, have get office supplies, maintain your equipment, uh, you know, hire uh, hire uh, broadcasters, produce programs, a whole host of things, and so what the state that takes that money and not only do you have less money to, that you can use to buy up factors of production, but they actively engage in bidding resources away from you. The state is the state starts to buy up office supplies instead of you and, and those kind of things. And then, of course, people have an incentive to reduce their tax burden uh, by, uh, you know, tax avoidances, uh, participating in the underground economy. Uh, also, uh, just they have an incentive not to invest as much because you know why invest if your expected uh, payoff, the expected benefit, isn't going to be as great as it was before. Now, certainly, it doesn't cause all investment to dry up, but investment will be lower than it would be 
otherwise. And so the long, there's long-term consequences is there's less saving and less investment that there would be in a free market setting. And consequently, the economy as a whole becomes less productive and um, – we're not able to not even able to sustain the social democratic welfare state over time. We cannot even do what its proponents want to do. So it's it's the long the long term prospects is that any type of socialism is is ultimately doomed to failure. Yeah, that's what's coming out here. I I really appreciate you showing the uh, some of the distinction though between uh, a pure socialism and this democratic socialist. Uh, however, it looks like um, as the thing grows, this this latter democratic socialism, it kind of moves more and more towards the pure socialism. Oh, for sure. I mean, because yeah. you think about uh, if we have an institutionalist redistributionist system, uh, and, and frankly, uh, at the same time the United States is trying to move towards Europe, a lot of European countries are trying to, are moving away uh, from this system, uh, the the Sweden, which is the poster child of uh, you know the, the cradle to grave welfare statism, they have already within the last five to ten years started to roll back benefits because they no longer they, they, the 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 wisest among them see we, they can no longer continue to sustain this because you're having more and more recipients and fewer and fewer uh, productive people and demographically it's it's going to it's they're going to be in really bad shape in in a, in a generation and so they have to they have to dial things back and you know we every economy that tries this is eventually going to be in the same boat because you can only consume so much capital and when that happens what you know the tendency is to okay so you you invoke this government regulation you invoke this intervention we create this redistribution assist System. So it reduces the incentive to produce on the on the taxation side. Then, of course, the people who gain money, you can gain money now for not being productive because that's what income redistribution does. And so it reduces the incentive to actually be productive. And so you have both both on the subsidy side and on the and on the tax side, you have incentives to reduce the amount of productive activity that takes place. You have reductions in the incentive to and the ability to save and invest. In the formation of capital and the building of and the, the obtaining of tools and machinery and everything that helps us to be more productive, and better technology and all that, well, that is all going to be uh, lower than would be otherwise, and so we're going to be less productive than we would be otherwise, and so we're actually over time things actually get worse, and so what happens? Well, when things get worse, right? When things get worse. We get, we get, uh, you know, there's an encouragement to look for a solution, and in, and frankly, in our current, in our current culture, the solution more often than not is we have to have, we have to have a government solution. We have to look to the state, and so the state then to solve the problem just sort of ups the ante, right? If 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 we have a problem, we because we've we've spent you know billions of dollars on the welfare state. Well, the problem is we just haven't quite spent enough. And so we have to spend more, and and and, and so there is this. That, that's why I say there's, they, it, it, the move. It's always in flux. There's there's never a sort of a stable uh, social democratic welfare state. Mm. It's it's you're always moving in one direction or the other. And um, you know, it, hopefully, it could be that things get so bad that people are willing to really. Uh, uh, you know, take a significantly different turn and 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 have uh, have a significant say a, a repenting of whatever direction they were going, but um, but there is this this 
there's just this natural human tendency, I think, for uh, once we intervene, for there to be more and more calls for more government intervention, and the and the and the you know the the rulers and the bureaucrats are happy to comply. That creates even more negative consequences, and so we have even more calls um, to uh, intervene. And if 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 cooler heads and wiser heads don't prevail, we will end. You know, you do end up with a situation that that's pretty extreme. I mean, in a sense, that's how that is how things worked out um, in a in a in, in sort of the, the the fascist Nazi economy, right? They, sure. You start you start intervening a little bit, and then the next thing you know, over time, you have a fully completely de facto socialist system. Yeah, and uh, just an observation. It seems to me that. Um, People that start to get used to a democratic socialist perspective um, become experts in how to game the system and instead of um, putting their time into producing something, producing widgets or a service or something. Um, some of their time now is spent on gaming the system so that they can get a benefit from it without really producing anything. Oh, exactly. I mean that, and that yeah, that's another whole another uh, set of consequences. So there's there's significant social and moral consequences to this type of socialism because it actually it does actually over time change the character of the population. Yes. Um, as I said, for instance, there's 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 less people have less incentive to invest, not just in actual capital, but less development in this in themselves. That, that, they don't. There's no. There's less investment to develop uh, productive skills because if you're not productive, you're going to get you're going to get an income subsidy, um, and then people become less able over time to secure income on their own through production through exchange, and society changes then from uh, a a uh, sort of a community uh, a voluntary exchange and a community of of uh, unique people. To seeing themselves just sort of cogs in this in this mass of man, and then on top of that, people in this kind of society are often feel forced to become more political, right? Uh, because as as he noted, uh, the way to get income in this type of system is to become politically connected, to start lobbying, and so there's more and more time used for political quarrels and political fights, uh, and less and less. Over um, uh, less and less uh, time spent actually producing things that people uh, find helpful. Yeah, um, we've got maybe two or three minutes left. The time has really flown by. It's so fascinating. Um, we're talking today with Dr. Sean Rittenar, professor of economics, Grove City College. I know you've written a book. Uh, maybe you can share some information with our listeners if they'd like to learn more about this very important subject. How do they go about getting your book? And also, what about some of the courses at Grove City College? Oh, yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, I, I have written a book. It's entitled Foundations of Economics, a Christian View. Uh, I attempt to provide um, or, or demonstrate how sound economics grows out of a Christian view of uh, creation and of man and the nature of man. Um, the, the best place to buy that was probably the easiest way to get it is to go on Amazon.com and just search for Foundations of Economics, a Christian view uh, which, under Sean Rittenauer. Um, and I, if you're interested, I have an entire, an entire chapter devoted to the issue of socialism, and go through it in some detail, um, and uh, certainly uh, the, the Crow City College has a, is, a, is, a, is an excellent uh, 
Institution of Christian Higher Learning. We have a full offering in uh, the humanities, uh, in the sciences, and in engineering. Um, in their academics program, uh, we take this, this Christian view of man and apply it to building up uh, the economic principles of microeconomics and macroeconomics, and we have a class on comparative economic systems where we compare the different var- variants of socialism with uh, the free market capitalism, which is, we didn't get to today, but it's the system based on, on private property. Um, we have uh, courses on economic expansion and development. How is it that countries uh, can move from poverty to, to prosperity? Uh, we have courses that deal with contemporary views on macroeconomic policies such as recession and depression and how to how do how do we avoid that and if we're in it how do we get out um, and uh, we have a full full offering of, uh, on uh, American economic history financial markets institutions really a pretty well-rounded uh, curriculum on economics no that's that's beautiful I I wish when I was growing up that uh, stuff was in my head it would have helped me a great deal <laughs> um, just in the 15 seconds closing here, suppose someone is um, beyond the school stage. You know, certainly they can still get your book and read it, and they should do that. Um, I just want to encourage those those few people, handful of people that are entrepreneurs, not to give up. And yes, the risk is high, but the 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 rewards, the benefits are there. Please be entrepreneurs. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. I mean, we're we're not we're not a fully socialized uh, economy yet uh, by any stretch, and uh, the the, the trend, trends can change. Trends yeah. can change, and there are ways for entrepreneurs to opt out of you know to, to work around and opt out of that socialist system legally. I'm talking about. That's right. So, for for sure, don't 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 despair. We don't we don't want to give in to despair. Uh, yeah, uh, Jesus is Lord. Amen. And don't give up hope. If it turns out the Lord is leading you in a direction, and you're really good at something, you got a passion for it. You start to pursue it. You realize, wow, I'm really sticking my neck out far. Well, guess what? That's how it's done. That's right. That's right. God will be faithful. You be faithful to your calling, and God will take care of the results. Yes, amen. Today we've been talking with Dr. Sean Rittenauer, professor of economics, Grove City College. He's written an excellent book entitled Foundations of Economics, A Christian View. Would urge our listeners to pick up a copy. Uh, Dr. Rittenauer, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you. It's always a pleasure. And dear listener, this uh, entire broadcast is up on our website. Check it out. We're found at RedeemerBroadcasting.org. Please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer. Oh.